Welcome, listeners, to the NK News podcast recorded here in Seoul on March 28, 2018. I am your host, Jacko Zwetslut. Joining me here in the studio today are Oliver Hotham. Good evening. Chi Dagyom. And Fyodor Teritsky. Dobry vecher. Reporters and analysts from NK News. Today we'll be looking at the latest news in North Korea over the last two weeks. Before we get started, I need to tell you about our NK News subscription giveaway valued at 300 US dollars. One random reviewer will win that free membership, so do please review us after this and every episode, and you might win. That will enable you to read the stories that we refer to in the podcast, as well as lots of other excellent information available at nknews.org. You can download or subscribe to our podcast not only at iTunes, but also Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play, and other podcast platforms. Also, you can save $50 off your NK News subscription by using the code PODCAST at the checkout. All right, well, let's get into it. Uh, Yeah, obviously the big news this week is the visit to Beijing by Kim Jong-un. I think we can talk first about the visit itself and the practicalities of it, and then we can talk about the secrecy, the rumors, and the difficulty in confirming any details around it. So, Dagyong, can you give us the basics? Who traveled to Beijing? When? How long did they stay there, etc.? North Korean leader Kim Jong-un made a four-day trip to Beijing between Sunday and Wednesday with his wife, Richard Chu, by taking a green-colored train. Kim arrived in Beijing on Monday and held a summit with Chinese President Xi Jinping at the Great Hall of the People in Beijing. Uh, before departing for Pyongyang, Kim looked around the Chinese Academy of Science and attended a luncheon hosted by Xi on Tuesday. Roughly, how long does it take to get a train from Pyongyang to Beijing? Is that a 12-hour journey? Does anyone have any idea? It's a long time. I think they had to stay overnight both ways. So the train would have left Pyongyang on Sunday, mm-hmm. went through Dandong, they left Beijing Tuesday. I think they would have returned this morning, possibly, at some mm-hmm. point in the early hours. Is it safe to assume that a VIP traveling on a, a special train like this wouldn't have any long delays at uh, stations? I think it's safe to say if that VIP is Kim Jong-un yeah. making his first visit abroad to China, I think the Chinese can probably accommodate. Um, so it's as fast as any rail journey could ever be between Pyongyang and Beijing, then, isn't it? I can't imagine there was a holdup in duty-free on the border. Yeah, <laughs> unless he wanted some cigarettes or tobacco. Yeah. Uh, so now, is this the, was this, as far as we know, Dagyom, the first visit, the first meeting between Xi Jinping and Kim Jong-un? Yeah. Okay, so it's never happened before. Was this the first visit by Kim outside Korea since becoming leader at the end of 2011? Yes, since Kim took power in December 2011, um, he'd never visited foreign countries before. But this is the first overseas trip to overseas trip of Kim Jong Un since he took powers. As far as I know, the mm-hmm. first head of state that he's ever met. Um, yeah, so pretty substantial, given that. He's supposed to meet Moon, Moon Jae-in, in next month, and then mm. possibly Trump by May was the phrase that the South Koreans used. So the South Koreans might be a little bit annoyed about that they didn't manage to get that coup, being the first head of state that Kim Jong-un met. But uh, You say it's the first head of state that he met outside North Korea. Does it also, I mean, did he meet anyone inside North Korea, as far as we know? He did not. He did not. Okay. So it was a visit by President of Mongolia, whom he didn't meet. He didn't meet. And Raul Castro, I think, has visited North Korea at some point. I think it was a Cuban delegation without Raul Castro. Well, there you go. 
I guess the rather next question to ask is why do people think that Kim made this journey and had this meeting at this time? The logical explanation would be uh, because he has two more summits to go and uh, he wanted to meet Xi Jinping or Xi Jinping wanted to meet him or both before it actually happens. Okay, but why? Why ha- why meet them before the other summits? Symbolically important. It will be recorded in history. The first uh, foreign country Kim Jong-un has ever visited is China. Is that because of the alliance? Is that why it's symbolically important? Because of uh, the alliance, but I say more because of a trade. Because China controls uh, 92.5% of uh, foreign trade of North Korea, which makes it by far the most important country for VTPRK. And also given that as you pointed out, Fyodor, during Kim Jong-il's visits to China before his death, relations between the two countries were actually quite good. Mm-hmm. And relations between North Korea and China in the last couple of years, particularly last year, have been pretty bad. I'd say one of their worst in, in recent history, at least, with rocket tests and nuclear tests and China supporting these increasingly strong sanctions. I think they needed to have a little reaffirm the old lips and teeth. When and how many visits did Kim Jong-il make to China? Kim Jong-il visited China seven times. The last visit of Kim Jong-il to Beijing took place in May 2011, before his death. Um, the interesting part is Kim Jong-il also made visit just before inter-Korean summit happened in 2000. So there is quite a similarity between Kim Jong-il's visit to Beijing and Kim Il-sung's, Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-il's one in the past. Yes, uh, and it's also interesting, isn't it, that uh, Kim Jong-il was effectively, not formally, but effectively leader of North Korea for six years before his first visit to China in 2000. And now we have Kim Jong-un being leader for six years. Both leaders took some time to either consolidate or to take care of domestic issues for a number of years before deciding to go overseas on a, on a foreign trip. Can we say that? Yes and no. I'd say that uh, if you look at Kim Jong-il's visit in 2000, it was mostly for reasons the country was devastated by famine and Chinese wanted to show him that Chairman Kim perhaps like the way we do things is better in, especially in 2001 when they took him to Shanghai and he was seemingly impressed in 2002 was probably the most reformist year during entire Kim Jong-il tenure. We got uh, Kim Gun tourism, we got Kaesun tourism, we got Kaesun industrial complex, uh, we got uh, July 1st measures when he effectively legalized marketplace, and then we got this uh, nearly insane uh, project to turn Sinuju into something like Macau. And now the major reason are the upcoming summits and the general atmosphere that uh, there is a chance that Donald Trump may use force against North Korea. Also that North Korea has completed its nuclear program, right? Well, well has it? So it claims mm. um, that now it wants to project itself on the world stage. It's had all these years of focusing almost entirely on the rocket program and the missile testing and blah, blah, blah. Um, and now Kim Jong-un is kind of stepping out saying he's this global diplomat. You know, he met with South Korean officials. He's going to meet with Moon. He's going to meet with the US president, the first North Korean leader in history to do that. I think he likes kind of swanning around, meeting dignitaries and going to these kind of grand, these pictures we saw of these grand sort of banquets and things like that. So you think we can expect more of this? Well, they've said that there's going to be more of them. I mean, in the in the Chinese state media reports, they said there was going to be a lot more 
Mm. meetings between North Koreans and Chinese officials. And um, there's talk of a trilateral summit between North Korea, South Korea and the US. So I think we probably will see a lot more of that. Now, the fact that he went by train, can we assume from this that like his father, he's probably not keen on flying? No, no. Absolutely no. Takiyam probably can add something, but he was uh, uh, taking planes. He was basically receiving some education as pilot in planes. It was shown in Rodan Shindon. In the past, Korea Center Television, which is Nurse's state broadcaster, aired a video of Kim Jong un steering plane by himself. Uh-huh. So that proved that Kim Jong un is different from his father, Kim Jong il. I don't believe that Kim Jong un is afraid of taking a plane while visiting foreign country. He also has quite a swanky private jet that、mm. he likes to sit around on smoking and things like that. And、uh, there were pictures of him inside this jet flying.、Yep. So, so the, the North Korean equivalent of Air Force One then? I don't think you can smoke on Air Force One. Well, okay, now last year when I went to North Korea at the time of the marathon in April, it was a normal、uh, commercial air courier jet. And I recall seeing a lot of men, including men in、uh, pilots and captains' uniforms, but other men heading towards the back behind a curtain where they smoked cigarettes before going back up the front again. So it seems to be quite the norm, at least from my limited experience.、Uh, it's not abnormal to smoke cigarettes in North Korean、uh, planes, whether they're private jets or not. And I don't think it's abnormal for North Koreans to smoke generally, although they do, they have officially claimed that no women smoke.、Oh, smoking in, is a huge problem in, in the country. In WHO statistics, they said, I think, that something like no, that 50% of men smoked, which is roughly consistent with、um, the rest of East Asia. They also said no women smoked, which is quite interesting. Okay, let's、uh, bring it back to this visit to,、uh, to Beijing.、Uh, you said, Dagyam, that,、uh, his wife, uh, that Kim Jong un's wife, Ri Sol Ju, was with him. Were there anybody,、uh, any other high、uh, figures with him? There were a lot of senior officials during while Kim Jong un visited Beijing. Notably, Chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee of the DPRK Supreme People's Assembly, Ri Su Yong, DPRK Foreign Minister, Ri Yong Ho, attended the like summit. Between Xi Jinping and Kim Jong un, along with Vice Chairman of the Central Committee of the Workers' Party of Korea, Kim Yong chul.、Mm. Kim Yong chul also visited South Korea and met President Moon Jae in in February.、Huh. Yeah, that's notable.、Yes. And other officials, including Cho Yong un, also accompanied Kim Jong un. Yeah, Cho Yong un's position was Vice Department Director of Central Committee of Workers' Party of Korea. And Cho Yong un usually accompanied Kim Jong un's side. Infections. So, some senior party to party level connections and also some,、uh, some ministerial position, well, a ministerial position, right? The foreign minister. But no sister. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's speculative, but can we、uh, deduce anything from that? Well, a lot of people were saying that given that she was the one that went to the South, that if there was going to be some kind of diplomatic meeting, maybe she would go ahead of her brother,、yeah. you know, paratory type、yeah. thing.、Um, but no, she seems to stay at home for now. Has、uh, the KCNA or Korean Central Television said anything about this trip yet? Yes. Okay, well, they, what have they told us? Oh, well, they just,、um, the pink lady came out and she sat there and just read the KCNA report about what happened. And that was about it. They didn't broadcast any imagery on、okay. the TV, although there was plenty in,、um, the in the Rodong Shinman and from KCNA. So, so the Rodong Shinman was fast in this case to get out the pictures. Yes. But the television was not. They published a special eight page edition.、Wow. Uh, normally it's six, but now it's eight with、mm-hmm. seven pages of it being dedicated to the visit. And there are some. 
uh, like small abnormalities in reporting. Uh, first, they used uh, g- grammatical uh, forms of respect to uh, Xi Jinping, not always, but occasionally. I personally remember this do- being done to Mao Zedong before, especially when he died. Uh, normally, although this is reserved only for the three kings. And uh, second, for some reason, they didn't call Kim Jong-un supreme commander even a single time. Hmm. It's uh, the, Normally, they call him chairman of the party, chairman of the State Affairs Commission, supreme commander of the Korean People's Army. And today, uh, supreme commander was omitted for some reason. There must be some significance because uh, you can't just alter the latest title on your own. So yeah. it's not an initiative for some kind of a journalist. But if there is uh, something to this, maybe we want to mirror some of Xi Jinping positions, who knows? We'll probably learn not anytime soon. Okay. Well, now let's talk about sort of the secrecy and the rumors surrounding the trip. For a couple of days there, it literally was just rumors. Fjodor's already mentioned that uh, many people speculated who was there. Would it be Kim Jong-nam? Would it be Kim Yo-jong? Would it be the two of them? Uh, was it Kim Jong-un? And uh, the, the Twitterverse veritably exploded with people saying, oh, it, ca- it can't be Kim or yes, it must be Kim or no, it isn't. Uh, who, where did we first get the uh, the first official confirmation about this trip? We heard that the Chinese state media was going to announce something at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then the KCNA wire broke the reports at about 15 minutes before that. Oh, they, they um, uh, showed so they up. They preempted yeah. Tsinghua, which obviously caused a bit of a panic. Um, <laughs> because, what, what, uh, in China or? I mean, every journalist, I think, covering this story um, was rudely awoken from their sort of slumber to have to write this out. But this is following two days where we had absolutely nothing. Yes, and KCNA is not known for breaking stories before other agencies. It's normally quite slow. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) but uh, I think maybe they had some kind of... This is related to their country. I mean, they were the first agency to announce Kim Jong-il's death. I mean, they are uh, slow when it comes to foreign nation because it, all the news go through a hard censorship process, but this is related to North Korea. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good point. But so by the time the message came out through KCNA this morning and then a little bit later from Xinhua, uh, Kim Jong-un and his entourage were well and truly back in North Korea, am I right? Yes, I think that's fair to say. Is that So do you think there was a, is there a security issue around that? Is that why they kept it uh, mum for so long? There's a tradition in a way when Kim Jong-il visit Beijing back in 2011, China didn't make any prior notice and they made an official announcement on Kim Jong-il's visit to Beijing after Kim returned to Pyongyang. Mm-hmm. So this is like how China, maybe this is how China dealt with North Korean leaders' visit to the country. So we've seen this movie before then. Presumably, I'm guessing here, it's probably at the request of, of the North Korean state that they act this way, right? It's all because of security reason, I believe. Because we saw quite a lot of censorship on Chinese of Chinese news organizations as well. Some of them had reports. When when it all first started to break, when we first saw the, when the Japanese media actually were the ones to get it first, saw the train pulling into Beijing under all this heavy security, and then that was following reports from the Daily NK about... Um, security at Dandong train station. Um, some reports went up in Chinese media and very swiftly disappeared and sort of republished on non-mainland outlets. Yeah, tell us a bit more about uh, about the Japanese media. You said they were the first to get something out. What did they get and how did they get it? Clearly, they had people in Beijing watching the train station for exactly this type of thing. They spotted this olive green train, which some diligent researchers must have immediately gone and Googled the trains that Kim Jong-il went on and realized it's the same train. And then there was all sorts of security and um, 
kind of uh, mystery in Beijing and all along the whole train route as well in Dandong as well. Um, so that's when we started to hear reports of that. Bits coming out from Twitter of there was footage of a motorcade in central Beijing. Then the sort of rumor mill started and it went on for a very long, long day yesterday. Yes. Now, the Japanese media sort of in general have developed quite a reputation over the years for having somebody stake at staking out the Beijing airport and the Beijing station pretty much all the time, don't they? They do. They, the North Korea coverage is often better than South Korean North Korea coverage. You mean Japanese coverage of North Korea? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, why the interest? I think there's there's a lot of public interest in Japan about North Korea, possibly more than there is in South Korea. The Japanese, I guess, can see it with a little bit more distance. And then there was also the, the abduction case, of course, which has got a lot of Japanese people interested in North Korea also, as well. Also, it's a funny, strange former colony of yours run by uh, a dictator who, uh, which lives in poverty. So I guess it's like Zimbabwe to British people. That's an interesting analogy. So saying that North Korea to Japan is as Zimbabwe to Britain. A very interesting analogy. Uh, let's leave that hanging there for a moment. Now, the uh, the South Korean government was apparently unable to or unwilling to confirm anything for two days. Do you believe that President Moon knew about the trip beforehand? When we first asked Blue House to confirm the news, they said, oh, we are trying to confirm the news through various diplomatic channels and we have nothing to comment on it. Like, so they had been, they had remained silent for two days. Actually, on Blue House told reporter today that Chinese government will make an announcement on Kim Jong Un's visit to Beijing. So it acknowledges that like chi- there has been like communications between the Chinese government and South Korean government about Kim Jong Un's visit to Beijing. And later in the day, Blue House told mo- local media that Chinese government notified Seoul of. Kim Jong-un's visit to Beijing in advance. We haven't been able to figure when Beijing actually shared information on Kim Jong-un's visit to Beijing, maybe one or two days before, or maybe one day before. Okay, so so we do have some signs that there was a tip-off there. Uh, but is there any indication that North Korea gave any information to the Blue House or to the South Korean side, either through the hotline or through the a previous meeting of, of high-level officials or anything? I mean, there's no way of knowing. And the what what kind of breaks with the precedent of the Kim Jong-il visits is that before all of those, the South Korean media got tipped off by the National Intelligence Service in the South. So the NIS knew and told reporters that this was happening. And this time that just didn't happen. The NIS said, uh, no comment. So maybe they were left out of the loop. Or could it just be that the NIS were playing dumb? That they'd been instructed not to... Why? There is no reason for them to play down. I mean, they're not uh, run from Beijing, they're run from Seoul. And if they announced it, I don't think anything major would have happened. Just there won't be any speculations about who is in China. Well, I think if the Blue House had requested that the NIS keep mum about this, then they, they might have done so. Oh, well, yes. I agree with situation. that, because they don't want to ruin intergrain relations at this point. Right. So I think they should keep because it would wouldn't it be considered basically a a real uh, a dereliction of duty for the NIS not to know about Kim Jong Un making a visit by train to China? Wouldn't that seem? Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, someone would get fired, I think. Right, and if nobody does, then we might assume that well, they knew, but they they deliberately kept silent about it. So, what could be? What do you think that are the ramifications or the implications of this visit? Does it in any way strengthen Kim Jong Un's bargaining position in the upcoming summits? Does it change the calculus? Does it do anything at all, or is it just? Uh, as Fyodor hinted, um, symbolically important. 
I mean, the symbolism is, yeah, that it's Kim Jong-un's first visit. He kind of snubbed the North, the South Koreans by not meeting Moon before he met Xi. I think it's maybe a sign that relations between the two countries might improve over the course of the year. China might have offered North Korea something that we don't know about, perhaps some sanctions relief. Perhaps North Korea offered China something, continued moratorium on missile and, and nuclear tests. But obviously, it's all speculation. All we have are the sort of chummy socialist brotherhood mm-hmm. comments. It's equally possible that they had some talks and didn't come to any agreement, so they just went all diplomatic, handshaking and smiling. And photo opportunity. In the meeting uh, or meetings between uh, Xi and Kim, was there anything said about denuclearization? Do we know anything? There was. According to Xinhua, but not according to Roland Xinhua. Well, please tell us what Xinhua said, Fyodor. Uh, so Xinhua said that Kim Jong-un said that they pledged to denuclearization of the uh, Korean Peninsula. They specifically said Korean Pen- Peninsula, not just Korea or North Korea. It means that uh, not only North Korea should surrender nuclear weapons, but there must be no nuclear weapons in South Korea too. It may hint that they want South Korea taken uh, away from the United States nuclear umbrella. Also, uh, let me just interrupt there. Currently, there are no nuclear weapons in South Korea. Is that exactly. correct? Exactly. Right. So, so the first point shouldn't be an issue. Which I mean, shouldn't be a problem, should it? But South Korea is still protected by North by American nuclear weapons. Right. But they're not actually located they're on the peninsula. Actually located on the peninsula. But they sometimes we sometimes have nuclear powered submarines and nuclear armed um, aircraft carriers, which actually don't have nuclear weapons on them. But the North Koreans claim that they do. That type of thing. So it's. So Kim it could Jong- be a very broad yeah, denuclearization of the peninsula is a very broad topic. Um, and also we have the it's only coming from the mouth of the Chinese. There was nothing in North Korean state media about, about that at all. Does that line up more or less with what happened with the recent meeting between, between Kim Jong-un and the South Korean envoys in which the South Korean media reported he said something about, you know, pledge to denuclearize? Is that more or less the same? Yeah. That- yes. They yes. said that he expressed an interest in denuclearization in return for security guarantees, um, but there's nothing about that in North Korean state media. Yes, and uh, we all understand that we will not surrender the strategic weaponry. So, but we have the same message coming out through both Chinese and South Korean media, but no public statements about uh, from North Korea about that at this stage. Nothing from the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there anything else to, to say about this meeting between Kim and Xi? Uh, Xinhua mentioned uh, uh, Kim, uh, Kim Jong-un apparently wanting to meet Donald Trump. North Korea once again mentioned nothing in this. North Korea hasn't mentioned anything about uh, summit with the United States. Well, I guess that suggests that uh, they still would like to have an opportunity to cancel the whole project. Let's uh, briefly uh, touch on Japan. What's Japan doing in the leadership to the Kim Moon and Kim Trump summits? There's, it's all very um, Japanese media unsourced claims that Abe has decided that having spent the last year being the most hardline of hardliners has decided that he wants to also talk to Kim Jong-un perhaps he feels like he's being left out from the rapprochement mm-hmm. um, this that, is in the media in Japan today is it this was this week and last week there were the same rumors um, Abe wants to talk about the abductee issue that we mentioned but then North Korea said something um, that Abe was not going to get a ticket to Pyongyang anytime soon if he kept up his rabid ways now, he does have a little bit of competition in his hawkishness, but we'll come, up, come back to that later on in a, in a minute. Uh, would this visit by Kim Jong-un to Xi Jinping in Beijing be likely to worry or trouble Japan in any way? I think all 
into Korean stuff probably troubles Japan a little bit because, well, Abe's a hardliner. He doesn't necessarily like the idea of, of the Koreans into Korean talks and perhaps South Korea becoming too soft on the North when, you know, just about half a year ago, we saw North Korean rockets going over Japan. <laughs> um, and uh, I think Abe would probably like to maintain the maximum pressure line. Right. But a North Korea-China meeting shouldn't be too much of an issue for Abe, should it? I think it's matter for Trump definitely. But I don't think, I mean... Definitely, Abe will definitely is concerned about him being isolated in this game, but... Japan wasn't really participating in the game to begin with, I'd say. They made some statements, but it's uh, mostly China, both Korea and the United States, is it not? Okay. Well, how has, or has President Trump reacted in any way to this meeting between Kim and Xi? Not yet, I think, but we have to monitor his Twitter closely. I think it's coming soon. Okay. So let's quickly talk about the new American National Security Advisor, John Bolton. What can we expect from him in the lead up to and during the Kim Trump summit? Fyodor, you want to say some uh, Bolton remarks? I'd say I'm quite scared because he's a smart man and he is very, very, very radical. I think he is the most hawkish uh, politician I've seen in the United States. And he makes uh, Donald Trump look like a very moderate pro-engagement guy. Uh, So uh, basically he advocates a summit as a form of ultimatum in form of surrender nuclear weapons or die. Okay, Oliver? I mean, I would probably agree with Fyodor. I mean, this seems to be largely the consensus that Bolton is something of an attack dog for Trump. Trump can say, well, I'm the nice guy, so Mm -hmm. work with me. Otherwise, you have to deal with this guy who doesn't believe in the UN or the international criminal courts or in general international law and loves war. So there you go. Bolton said on Sunday that North Korea and the U.S. should cut to the chase on the issue of denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula. So we have to focus on his idea because um, in a way, South South Korea and international community support the idea of resolving the North Korean nuclear issue step by step. But Bolton's idea runs counters with others' ideas. So maybe there may be a conflict between the U.S. and other countries in the process of like approaching the North Korean nuclear issues in the futures in this context. Okay. D- didn't Bolton also suggest that uh, Libya would be a good model for North Korean denuclearization? Yes, he and did. And we know, we know how North Korea feels about Libya. And we know how Libya ended up. We, and we know how, well, we know how Colonel Gaddafi ended up. Mm-hmm. There is and South Korea will have a, another high-level inter-Korean meeting in Panmunjom tomorrow mm-hmm. to discuss upcoming inter-Korean summit and practical measures and tri- other issues. So we have to keep an eye on the issues. Is there any chance that uh, any of the high-level officials who are with Kim Jong-un on his trip to Beijing will take part in that meeting tomorrow with South Korean officials? Does that seem likely? Ri song is chief delegate, but we don't know about the rest of the group yet. So I think we have to... Wait and yell. see. Yeah. yeah. We also have much more fun... We have K-pop in Pyongyang over the weekend. Mm. We have... Oh, this weekend? This weekend yeah. on okay. Sunday and Tuesday, I think, are the concerts. Yeah. We've got one concert, which is going to be just South Koreans yes. performing in Pyongyang. Old South Korean pop singers and Red Velvet, the right. K-pop jo- group. Jo Young-pil, I believe. He's been to North yeah. Korea before, hasn't he, in the early 2000s? Yeah, he, he stayed a solo concert in 2005, ah. which is the last concert staged by a South Korean singer. 
Okay, that's a good, interesting point. Now, I did see somewhere in the media this week that Sai specifically was rejected by Hyun Song Wal. I mean, I think you just have to look at Sai. I mean, and understand why his performance might not be appropriate for a North Korean audience. Then again, Red Velvet. I mean, are fairly racy, mm. um, but I think Sai is as a symbol of kind of raw South Korean capitalism and decadence is probably a little bit too much. But I, then again, I, he did sing that song about killing Yankees a few years ago. I'm, so. thinking, I'm thinking specifically about that. I thought that maybe North Korea would, would smile upon that song. Possibly. Which, which I'm sure Sai wouldn't sing it anymore, though. I mean, he's, he's publicly apologized he for it. He got in trouble for that one. It's out of his repertoire now, I think. Yeah. Maybe, the, maybe the encore of the set list. Um, all right, well, let's finish up this uh, episode by talking about silly stories about North Korea that have appeared in the mainstream media in the last couple of weeks. There were some insane stories from Russian tabloids, probably plagiarized from British tabloids. The first one that the ultimate goal of the North Korean uh, nuclear program is to strike at a planet called Nibiru, which is an mm. uh, extraterrestrial entity uh, uh, which is going to collide with Earth. And second one was that... Uh, You'll find a number of books about Nibiru on Amazon.com by the author Zachariah Sitchin. Why do I know these things? I don't know. Keep going, Fyodor. Yes, and and the second one was that uh, VTPRK is pl- planning to strike a secret alliance with uh, the uh, ISIS, uh, which is uh, insane. Because, wait, wait, say uh, that again? If the DPRK wants to strike a secret alliance with the Islamic State. Which currently has no location. Yes, there are two uh, problems. Like, first, the Islamic State no longer really exists. And second, that uh, it was always presented in the DPRK media uh, as an extremely malevolent terrorist organization. And I say, this is one day where I say, yes, Rodan Shimon just nailed it. I mean, maybe giving too much credence to this, but ISIS is currently fighting Syria, the Syrian mm-hmm. government, which is one of North Korea's oldest friends. Right. So it, it, yeah. Okay. Now, I believe you've got a, uh, a very wacky story for us this week, Oliver. I don't think it's wacky. I think it's very interesting, and perhaps you should take off your skeptic hat, Jacko. I need to take um, another look at it. So, Please tell us about it. Well, apparently there's this man called Noah, and uh, the Daily Express one of Britain's finest newspapers, Mm. has um, reported that this time traveller from 2030, and um, he's described the future of North Korea and despot leader Kim Mm. Jong-un. He said that essentially in 12 years, Korea is going to be reunified following a war with Trump. So um, there's that. His name is Noah. Um, His face is actually blurred out, which you'd think that... Noah, um, the time traveller's face is blurred out. Yes, uh, the time traveller's face is blurred out, which you'd think if he wanted to deliver this news to the world, he would be a little bit less secret. You would, yeah. Well, I'd better uh, renew my subscription to the Daily Mirror. Express. So can, sorry, the Daily Express, so I can is keep up. Is there a difference? My grandmother reads the Daily Mirror. I will not have anyone slandering it. I do apologise to your grandmother and all of the readers of the Daily Mirror. Uh, thank you once again to Dagyom, Fyodor and Oliver for coming on the NK News podcast and telling us all about the latest news from North Korea. Don't forget, you can listen to all of our shows as well as read full bios and show notes on our website, www.nknews.org. NK News is the leading repository of North Korean research, news and analysis, and we hope to see you there. And you can send feedback, comments, questions or guest suggestions to podcast at nknews.org. 
Our podcast is produced by Arias Dare and facilitated by Chad O'Carroll and Christina Lee. Lastly, a reminder that one random reviewer on the iTunes app per week will win a free new NK News membership. So please review us after listening and you might win. Also, you can save $50 off your North Korea NK News subscription by using the code podcast at the checkout. And listen to us next time.